You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In the summer of 2019, months before the COVID pandemic would fuel a massive expansion of podcast availability, an eventual acceptance of this medium, even from the most conservative religious circles, the Yeshiva of Newark launched its platform, fusing an enlightened series of shurim and contemporary topics presented uncompromisingly with serious interviews and dialogue with important figures in education, psychology, and mystical thought. The result shown important shafts of light on hitherto unnoticed problems and suggesting real solutions. During the global shutdown of in-person learning options and forced quarantines, hundreds of searchers across multiple time zones joined our Zoom live events every afternoon and evening. Sophisticated classes described the fundamentals of Talmud learning for adults who had been underserved. Scarly old hands joined Shurim and Yershalmi and Dafyemi. We were at the forefront of producing Hespedim for so many stalwarts of Torah and Avoda who passed away during the height of the Magefa. These presentations brought comfort and appreciation to the bereaved of our people. The platform routinely chimed in on the relevant issues and upsetting scandals of the day from a rabbinic perspective. We even offered options for healthy, life-affirming entertainment in a world bowled over by streaming services. With downloads approaching the million mark and an archival library numbering in the thousands, the Yeshiva of Newark podcast has been striving to continuously upgrade our content, professionalize our audio sound, along with altering approaches in light of much-appreciated listener feedback. I firmly believe that a niche has been carved out that resonates with many on the wide spectrum of observant Jews. This explains why we continually rank high in independent online lists of top yeshiva podcasts. This proud edifice I've described is in real danger of toppling and disappearing. We need the help of our listeners to continue to record and edit, to promote the product that has been a balm and instructor to so many. Just $36 as a minimum donation from a thousand of you out there will keep us afloat as a new arc of straight, intelligent, humorous discussion, lectures, debate, and inquiry, while the destructive waters of ignorance and identity politics, cyberbullying, crash around us. Your generous contributions will seal and galvanize this arc till it comes to a satisfying rest in an era of Beloi Ha'oretz Deo, heralding Mashiach, Bimheira, Bimeinu, Amen. Cool. This is a brief release of a shir that I was very happy to give, and that was about feeding table scraps or any sorts of food that prepared for humans to animals. There's a couple little references uh, to uh, my own dog, and you'll hear that. And it was Nogea Lamaisa, uh, and still is. And it really, I think, shines a light on an issue that many people perhaps take for granted, but again, has a very strong basis in halacha. Enjoy. Uh, there's a simon in Shulchan Aruch that's in Kuf Zion in Arachayim. 
that speaks about how one has to have the covet for food, the type of covet you need for food. And it, it, it's, the, it's the simon about not being mevazel ochlim, not being mevazel food. All right. Um, let's say, you know, we're talking about throwing bread, uh, throwing food around, letting food get wet to the point that, um, you know, it becomes mius. All these things are a problem halachically. You have to be careful about not being mavaza ochel. The uh, Magen Avram, uh, quoting the Gemara in Tainus, and here's the Gemara in Tainus, um, that speaks about the idea that you are not supposed to be mavaza food and one of the ways we talk about not being mavaza food is by feeding human food to animals. The Gemara in Tainus says that it's also, that's called bizoyan ochlim. Now, it's not brought down in Shulchan Aruch, but the Mogan Avram does quote it. And Rabbi David Yosef, in his Incredible beer on Shulchan Aruch Arachayim that's called Halacha Brura. You know, many people, I, I think I've mentioned here in this year, uh, many people know, of course, about his older brother, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, and, um, and uh, his sefer, uh, Yalkut Yosef, which has become very standard learning material now in, in many, many of the kilot. And I don't deny that it is a very beautifully read, written safer. I would like uh, my Sephardic friends to also take note of his brother's safer, which is also an incredible safer on Shulchan Aruch. And it gives you, I believe, even a wider uh, array of sources and understanding of the halachot. So that's Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef's younger brother, the son of Chocham Avadia, and we're reading from his uh, halachos here. Tov lahachmir shelo lahachil behema maich laosti v'tzorach odom. If you have an animal, and again, we talk about table scraps. I'm not supposed to give table scraps to, to Dali, who's who, you might guess is right here now with me right now, but I'm not supposed to give table scraps to her because my daughter feels it's not healthy for her. But the Mogan Avram, based on the Gemarantinus, felt that it was a bizoyon. Here it was, your wife cooked, you know, uh, this this wonderful stew for you, the spaghetti and meatballs for you, and here you are handing it to the dog. That's a bizoyon. It's mavaza the food when you when you when you decide, ah, oh, here, take some of this. If you don't have any animal food, you have the right to do it. And you don't have to be machmir. How about on Parshas? Yeah, right. So, so we talked about that, Sheila, last week, about throwing out food for the birds. We talked about that. And we mentioned a possible heter based on the Chassam Sofer, that you're doing it to show something symbolic. You're not doing it for the sake of the animal. 
You're doing it to, to give yourself a lesson about what mun means. You're doing it to, to in a way, remember, your, remember what it was that the, the birds at the time of Shiraz Hayam were about. So it's, so not, it's a human need rather than the... Yeah, it's um, a human need. We're here. You're saying, yeah, I want to feed the animal. But you know what you just did? You took human food and gave it to an animal. Tsar Balichayim is one thing, but obviously, as we saw from Ramosha yesterday, that human pain and tzedakah is, of course, more paramount. And therefore, uh, right. now, let's say it's really meant for people. Um, but let, and we know, you know, you, you take the steak and you and you boil it just right, just for this person the way he likes it. What, what's it called? Very well done and soft and succulent. But sometimes, um, uh, if, if it's the type of thing that you know, humans and animals eat pretty much the same thing. For example, let's say you have animals or goats, whatever, that you feed them uh, salad. You feed them, all right, so it's the same thing, right? It's be- Okay, so your salad goes on a uh, on a plate. I mean, okay, so it's true. This was the salad they made for you. But they're going to eat the same mix of vegetables that you're going to eat. So therefore... Uh, it could be that you can feed the animals and it won't be it won't be considered a bazillion. Um, another heter that is said, we're going to see where, is that let's say um, when you're making it, even though it's the type of thing that usually uh, humans eat, but if you take this food and you know your dog is picky, you know your dog is finicky, your dog won't eat the regular dog food. It happens with this uh, little dog that I'm that I have right here now. She won't eat a lot of times the regular food. So let's say you you make people food, which is usually for people, but you're making it for the animal. So since you're not, it's not like I made it for a person, and now I'm insulting the the cook, and I'm insulting the idea of of giving it for a a, a human being, and now laying it to an animal. I I made this type of food specifically for an animal in the first place. So then you would that Isra wouldn't apply. Um according to some Rishonim, however, the Isser is the Rav David Yosef says um paying more you can't buy for a behemoth food that costs so much. So in other words, if the animal doesn't have a, a finicky problem, but to buy expensive food, even though you're making it specifically for them, that's also a bazillion on the food. This food is obviously meant for humans to consume. Now, let's see where this comes from. 
just to do a little little research on this. And here's Reb David Yosef really showing you all his Myrmakomas. Rav Huna says, Why? Because it's Bezoyan Ochlin. Rashi says, it's like your Boet Petova. It's like one of the reasons why we make brachas on Tu B'Shvat is to recognize the Tova of Hashem giving us to the world. Here you're being buoyant with this incredible Tova by giving it to your animal. Rashi says another Svara because it's, it's, you're wasting money. Chasa Torah People say that that is the uh, pshat in the Rambam as well, although as Rabbi David Yosef says, it's not 100% clear that that's what the Rambam means. However, there are other Rishonim, other than uh, the Ran says it in Psachim, um, that you don't give human food to animals. The Rabbah already wrote that when the Gemara mentions the opinion of Rav Huna, the Gemara says, Ksava Rav Huna. doesn't say, Amar Rav Huna. Ksava Rav Huna. And therefore, it might have been Rav Huna Shita. But that doesn't mean all the Amaroyim agreed. And that's why it didn't find itself really into Shulchan Aruch. Now, that's a big Kiddush. Reb David Yosef says that when the Gemara says the word ksavar, it's not really a halacha. And you can see Reb David Yosef quotes a whole number of achronim, including the Chido and others, who um, you can't prove from the way the Gemara rolls this halacha out with the words ksavar, that it doesn't really think that it's halacha meikar adin. Besides the Yorabah, who was the posek and the Dayan in Prague in the beginning of the 18th century, the Chassam Sofer, in his Hagos uh, on, on Shulchan Aruch, says that he believes there is no Isser of feeding animals people food. Um, and especially if you go like the second shot in Rashi, that it's all about, you know, the money. So, Lachora, uh, that would be, you know, uh, you could definitely give, uh, and as you can see, Sheila mentioned it before, people feed birds, chala, people give, right? right? So um, that's what birds like. If you want to feed the birds outside, if it's not Shabbos, you have a right to feed them because the whole point is, is that you want to, you have a right to feed birds. I have to tell you, when I worked in the nursing home, uh, there was a, a woman who would uh, did not keep kosher, but she would come every single Shabbos, Arab Shabbos, when we made our special kiddush for the men and women who were somewhat religious, who wanted to have like a Shabbos event. And the reason she came is because the bakery sent these beautiful chalas, and she would make sure to stand in line in order to be able to get a lot of challah but she would stuff it in her pockets. And then I would discover her later, she would be feeding the birds on the um, marpesa, on, on the 
on the Marpeset. She would feed the birds that were uh, in the patio. And uh, um, and uh, and and that was the uh, uh, and, and I stopped it. <laughs> I, they got mad. She got mad at me because I said, "Look, you know, we're spending money bringing this challah in for people. You know, not for you to be able to, you know, to grab the the the." the right. I was going to get to that in a second, Richard. But people you know, again here, these weren't scraps. This was the fresh piece of challah that she would put into her pockets so she could go and get the enjoyment of feeding birds. Now, again, I, I felt what she did was wrong since it wasn't hers. We were ordering it from tzedakah in order that, that the people who wanted to keep Shabbos should have some sort of sense. But you see that people have an enjoyment of, especially an older person and a person who's in a nursing home uh, who doesn't feel in control of their life. So the ability to go out and feed birds, whether it's healthy or not for the environment or enough, I can understand that. So therefore, you know, it, it, what is it about? Okay, this is your enjoyment. This is what you want to do. This is what this is what you like doing. There's also an idea that I know of someone who has a pet and they have to have special hypoallergenic, I mean, really expensive food for the pet. And it's right. made for the pet, but it's talk about you know, right. So that's the opposite, Sheila. That's yeah. where that's where, in other words, you have an achrayas, as we learned yesterday from the Yershalmi. When you get a pet, when you get an animal, you have to have the achrayas to keep that animal alive if it's dependent on you. And if the animal will be ill by eating uh, table scraps or other stuff, you've got to get the right food for it. And, and people spend huge amounts for pet cemeteries. Not Stephen King, but other people spend huge amounts. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. So th- th- now we're talking about something else. That's after they're dead. That's already a, 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 a could be a mishagas already. But the idea of chasam amaynam show you throw means you know you're you're throwing your money away. So if you have the that you could say to someone else, look, you do you realize the cost of having a pet? Do you realize the insurance? Do you realize what it's going to cost? Do you realize the effort? You're, you're a poor person. And again, you have to balance that with whatever benefits the person might be getting. Perhaps it's making them less lonely. Perhaps it's for someone in the house. You know, so you, you have to be careful in being judgmental. But when the person himself is dealing with this issue and he wants to keep the laws of, of the Shulchan Aruch, of the Magan Avram, let's say, uh, and he wants to try to fulfill things properly. So when we have this idea of Okay, I I enjoy feeding not pets, but I enjoy feeding these birds. I guess you would have a right to do that. Now, um, it, it could also be uh, as well when you talk about bizoyin of ochlem. And Richard uh, wrote me a, in a note in that way. Let's say you're going to throw this stuff out anyway. Right. In other words, we talked. Those of you that came to Sunday's class, we talked about eating seventy-five percent of what's on your plate, right? Or stopping at seventy-five percent. But let's say you realize you took too much, and in COVID, nobody's going to be eating your leftovers, and you probably aren't going to eat the leftovers either, right? So there, you're actually maybe saving money by feeding your pet what came from. 
uh, human beings. So that might actually, you know, might be all right, even if you want to be machmir, as far as that goes. Because where's it going to go? It's going to go in the garbage. So, you know, you might as well do it. It's not, it's not necessarily, biz- is it, isn't it, isn't it <laughs> less of a bazillion to give it to the animal? Um, that, uh, right? Now, uh, one of the Rishonim, though, says, um, <laughs> let's say, uh, if it's what you made hamotzi on, right? That's already sort of like a, a that's like a, almost a bizarre that nogu shalola hachil beimachay of ogoi mechaticha shenoga bo chaticha samotzi. In other words, if this is the hamotzi bread and the one next to the one you made hamotzi on, uh, the Abu Dram says it's, it has like a special uh, holiness. The Beis Yosef says, I never heard, well, Rina lo that somehow the thing that touched the hamotzi bread, you can't give to a goy or you can't feed a bird with it. However, even though the Beis Yosef never saw it, the um, the the other achronim do bring it. And the reason is, is because that's what you made hamotzi on. That's what you made your meal, you made your brocha on that. So that is considered the fact that that now that piece goes to the animal. So that might be a, a bizoyon to the brocha. If you get chana from the giving, does that, does that change anything? Just from the act of giving, like children love to give animals. They have, they have those petting zoos. Right, right. right but, so that's really where you need to draw the line. In other words, look, I, it's the most enjoyable thing in the world to To realize that there's this other being that is dependent on you, and it feels good, right? It feels good to be a giver, but yeah. but this is what you're seeing from the from this safer from this kadmon that there also needs to be a significance of the gift that God gave you, especially if it's the thing that you made the bracha on, and therefore you know despite the other reasons for animals not to be eating people food, uh, this would be something to be nizarian. Uh, specifically in terms of the so scraps. That... The scraps from the motzi that fell on the floor or accidentally or something, sometimes they have their pet come in and eat up what's on the floor. You know, their, their Shabbos, you know, vacuum cleaner in a sense. So the question is, is, is that wrong then? No, I would say that... once it's on the floor, Sheila, okay, I can't see anybody saying that that to throw it in the garbage is less of a bazillion than letting your animal eat it. That's what I would say. Um, you know, that would not necessarily be the, um, you know, that would definitely not be the thing. I, I'll end uh, tonight just with uh, uh, something from, um, you know, that from Rabbi Eichenstein, you should have Rafu Shalema um, from Chicago. Um, you know, he once, you know, they were once talking about, you know, what's considered proper behavior, you know, and, and someone once said to him that um, it doesn't say it in Shulchan Aruch. If it doesn't say it in Shulchan Aruch, how do you know that this is improper? I forgot what it was, what the discussion was about. So Rav Eichenstein said in Yiddish, uh, it, it comes out better in Yiddish, but I'll say it in English. It doesn't say in Shulchan Aruch that you can't have a cat that shall shit us either. Does that mean you should do it? So I think the idea of 
<laughs> you know, of the animal. Say that in Yiddish, Rabbi. Say that in Yiddish. He says, the Shtadish in Shulchan Aruch has a cat that's only designed by Shalashidis. doesn't say in Shulchan Aruch that a cat <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't be sitting in Shalashidis with you. Could, does that mean that that's proper? So I, I, I think that that's part of, um, you know, that's part of, you know, what we're talking about. Um, you know, the idea of elevating the animals to the point that they're actually, you know, you know, they're, they're sitting at the table, right? You know, you know, you have the, uh, you know, everyone's got their seat, and then you have the little chair there that the that the that the the cat is sitting in and at the table. That, of course, is really, you know, a, a, a sense of having things incorrect in terms of the way things should be. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.